0: Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? And today, I have a gentleman by the name of Ed Becker. And Ed, uh, he's an author. He's authored two books which have to do with the true and malevolent haunting that him and his family uh, experienced many years ago, back in 1970 is when it started, and of course, and, for all of those people that were not around then, this was prior to, of course, uh, any of the horror movies that came out afterwards, like The Exorcist and The Omen, and of course lately all these reality shows. This was way back then, just to give you a little bit of context about what, you know, where he was at and where his family was at, where they experienced it. And um, Ed is uh, he's he's originally from Chicago, and uh, I believe he's been married many many years to his wife, Marcia. Uh, he has two daughters. He has grandchildren now. Uh, and besides the fact that it's true, one of the things that I think is so unique is that even after so many years, which I'm very glad he wrote these books, uh, it's almost like a way for a person to see, you know, that those events that transpired, they're not, they, they, what the ramifications are for family. And the reason why I say this is that nowadays it's become like the in thing to either experience a haunting or have a ghost or the worst, a possession. And I think that's fantasy land personally, uh, based on my own experience, you know, being involved in this field since the 1990s. And uh, I am I know that uh, when, a, when Ed goes into the description of what, uh, what he and his family experienced you will see that that is very 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 far from the reality of finding yourself right in the middle of this situation so hi ed how um, are you doing today if if you could take us back briefly you know how you happen to i mean we talked about it right before we were recording that you were a young family you had a baby and what you were looking for was i need a place to live i need a place for my family to live so this is what led you to Correct. to purchases. so take it away what happened what it, happen- it was
1: uh it, it was an easy purchase actually because I, we didn't have any options in those years a landlord could tell you that no i don't want any children mm-hmm. i don't want any pets uh they could advertise working couple only uh had there options, and we couldn't find an apartment, so what I found was a building that was an air, an air estate. Oh, that's your dog, I hope.
0: Yes, that is my dog. Don't worry about him. He's like out of arm's reach. I have four little dogs, Ed. So <laughs> my well, audience a, knows that, you... that I have that. Every once in a while, you're going to get some weird. Noise in the background. And I have also birds, so uh, you can't control animals. What can I say? So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All
1: right. uh, it was advertised as an air estate. Described that way, I knew that someone had probably died there. Okay. But that doesn't raise any eyebrows. Uh, because in a city like Chicago or New York or Baltimore, mm-hmm. Uh you know we have 100 year old buildings sure what kind of building do you think no one's ever died in exactly you, you know so but ghosts weren't a uh, a topic in those years i mean if you look back in 1970 and look at the ghosts they had we had a romantic ghost the ghost and mrs muir
0: right we had yes. a cartoon
1: ghost casper Mm-hmm. we had a funny ghost top topper in the movies
0: yes that's right uh yeah, it was very, I want to say innocent so. is the good word for it, the, the versions that were out oh. there.
1: Yeah, and I didn't have, I was a young man, and I uh, didn't have much fear of ghosts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but dealing with ghosts is kind of like shadow boxing. Uh, you know, you can box and hit the air and no one's punching back. When you're dealing with a spirit, you quickly learn that you can't see them, you can't control them, you can't predict what they're going to do next, right? And you can't you can't hurt them, you can't uh, you just can't scare them. I mean, I tried screaming them out, I tried swearing at them, uh, and I think my book has hit uh, home with a lot of people. I mean, I've sold yes. tens of thousands of copies, yes, all Absolutely. over the world. Because yes. in, in my book, I don't try to scare anybody. Uh, or, originally, it was written as my diary. Mm-hmm. And then it was my fa- my family, my, my youngest daughter, actually, that talked me into publishing it.
0: I'm glad she did. And
1: uh, after I published it, I started getting... I've got literally thousands.
0: and I'm you know what? How long... Back. When... Because... Um, and, and you tell me, because, you know, a lot of times nowadays, especially reality TV, the way they portray it is that people go, especially when it involves any type of haunting, you know, that it goes from zero to 60 in three days. And from people that I've interviewed, in my own experience, it doesn't quite happen that quick. Sometimes it builds up little by little, and then the incidents start becoming either more sinister or more apparent. Is that what happened in your case?
1: Yeah, definitely, and, and I think references are without any any rules. Like today, you know, you, you have all kinds of rules, and you've got places to go, or mm-hmm. uh, you got so-called experts that'll tell you how to how to behave. I, I didn't know how to behave, and uh, as a young man, I, I was—I uh, think I was like any other man in that uh, or, or head of a household, right? Where. There is no such there is no such thing as a, as a man or a head of a household declaring or admitting that he cannot control his domain.
0: I know it's going to be pretty hard. Yeah, and, and that's man. exactly what
1: happened. You know, eventually to me is that at first, you know, my wife was more sensitive, and she she could tell we were having a problem right away. I chose to first ignore it and then rationalize it. And and I went through all these changes. And when I finally admitted it, and I, I couldn't deny it any longer, right. I became angry. I, I thought I could just kick it out, yell it out. You know, it was my domain, and they, hell if these people were going to control it, or these spirits. And uh, I I acted in a, in a poor manner. You know, today, I know that you don't organize them. I probably made them more active than they were, simply because I did so many things. Uh, that were disrespectful, as far as throwing their, their stuff out and uh, yelling at them, and you know, doing all these things. I didn't behave properly. To today, I know that you know. If uh, and and their spirits. I mean, people don't realize it, that there's spirits everywhere. Ghosts are plentiful. Yes, they are. And uh, if, if I if I one crosses my path now, I meet it with compassion and with prayer.
0: Exactly. And,
1: uh, you know, a lot of people read my book and they they sent me thousands of emails, literally, Mm -hmm. uh, from all over the the world. And I think one of the things that everybody liked about it was that I didn't try to scare anybody. I, I don't think you'll find the words terrified or horrific or anything like that in the book. It's a real case of what spirits can do. And how they react, and how you react emotionally. Yes,
0: and there's nothing and scarier they wore than me the down. truth.
1: Yeah, and in the end, they—I mean—they wore me down. They got me to where I was agitated, I was anxious, I was sleep deprived.
0: That's bad. Uh, That's a bad combination. You know, I was
1: always looking over my shoulder. Uh, it was a, a, a terrible experience. Probably the worst experience of my whole life, for sure. Uh, And I was glad to get out of there. Ed, let me ask uh, you
0: something. And it's like you said, you know, your wife right away knew something was going on. And by the time you were, after you had gone through all like these various, you described these various steps of denial, anger, whatever. Was there one event, which was the one that you said, I need to get help? Or was it just like you said, hey, I've reached the end of my rope. Like you said, no sleep, anxious how did it happen that you said I, I I can't I can't handle this on my own?
1: Well, really, it was um, my. It was a it was a series of events. I mean, first it started with the telephone coming off the hook all the time, and then uh, it was dishes moving and a mixer coming off the wall, and then it became the blinking lights in the kitchen, and then it became a door that was able to that can vibrate almost at will. Uh, I tried to close it, and the spirit kept wanting to open it. Wow. It was a plug that came out of the bathtub where I couldn't take a, a, a bath. We had no shower, and I had to uh, drain plug, uh, a metal one. <laughs> and it was after a, a whole series of events. We were sitting at dinner, and, and I, uh, my wife started about talking about her problem, and, and I just dismissed it, and she got angry. Mm-hmm. and she said, you know, how can you dismiss it when you've, you've done all these things to counter the activity, so you, you must have realized realize that there is activity, and she was right, and, and at that moment, I sort of uh, relaxed and said, yeah, you're right, this place is haunted. Uh, the problem became, what do you do about it? Because mm-hmm. I in like those music. years, there was no... Uh, there the, were the no ghost investigators or psychics, and right. our church, frankly, uh, disowned us.
0: Really? you uh, I've heard that story more than once.
1: It. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I understand why. I mean, it's probably still like that today all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there is nothing in the Bible that talks about ghosts. And, an exor- and a true exorcist is rare.
0: Right, I know. I, I, uh, I, I know uh, that, that nowadays a lot of people think it's common, but um, at the same time, you're always hoping, especially from your church, What? and I'm not saying this about Catholic, I'm saying about any type of religion, a little bit of compassion, whether it's true paranormal or whether it's just a family in crisis, you're hoping that somebody's going to say, okay, let me, at least let me visit you, you know, listen to you at the very least, but it sounds that didn't happen with you guys.
1: No, it didn't happen at all, and uh, uh, it, it was just total denial. And with the Catholic religion in Chicago, you have what's called parishes. Yes. And if you belong to a parish, you can't go to another parish. Right. Yeah. So once I was uh, refused by our, our our parish, I couldn't go to another parish because I was a member mm-hmm. of that parish. So it, it sort of took out all of our options and. Uh, we were very, very lucky. I have a, a psychic called Joseph D. Louise. Okay. There's a book out on him. a book out on him right now called uh, Psychic Courier. Uh, he he had prominence at the time. He was, he was involved with uh, finding the Manson people and predicting a certain destruction of a bridge. Wow! So he had national. He was the Sylvia Brown or the John Words of his day. Okay. He just happened to live in Chicago, and, and my wife contacted his office, and uh, of course they didn't want to be uh, fooled. You know, he had a reputation to protect. Sure. So they sent out, they sent out an investigator. We had, you know fill out actually an application.
2: Mm-hmm. They had
1: to investigate the house, and, and when they came to the conclusion that yeah, it's a valid pl- problem, and we have high activity. Then Joe DeLuise agreed to come in and help us. And when he came into the house on the first floor, he found a room that he, whatever was in there that he didn't want to mess with it as a medium. Oh, wow. So he decided he was going to bring in an exorcist.
0: This was after just one visit.
1: So he did bring in an exorcist. Wow. Okay I'm he knew,
0: okay so he knew what that whatever was there was just not a regular haunting in other words
1: it was beyond and as a medium he opens up his mind and and uh actually sometimes lets a spirit take possession of him okay uh to communicate but he he knew well whatever was existing in that area would allow it to take possession of him uh Now, both of them, you know, God bless them both because they they helped me out a great deal as a young man. Psychic do not work together.
0: Let me ask something, Ed. When when he went in there, when when he went in there, and he was like you're saying, he's doing basically a walk. Did he ever tell you what it was about that? I mean, I can imagine it's got to be kind of shocking to somebody that you have somebody in there basically doing a walkthrough. And he comes back to you and he's telling you, guess what, I think we need an exorcist. That must have been a shocker.
1: <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was kind of, uh, I mean, it was an education for me. Uh, because they talked about these things that I, I, I did not know what an exorcist was. Mm-hmm. So he said he was going to bring in an exorcist. It was like, you know, what's he talking about, exercising? I didn't know what uh, that like he was. brought in an exorcist and... We wound up having, uh, NBC wound up finding out about it because a, uh, a father, Joe Woods, he became familiar with the case. Okay. He actually wanted in, but he couldn't get permission. Okay. Uh, so he recommended an, an Anglican, uh, William Daryl Davis. Mm-hmm. And uh, somehow in there, NBC became aware of it. And Carol Simpson called me and she said, can we film it? we film your house and uh at first i said no i I, I did not want any exposure uh but one of the investigators name was tom valentine who's also an author okay and he's a a real good author but he could he approached me and said you know joe's just got a new book out you know can you do this for joe and well since they they spent days at my house Never, never asking me for a dime. Okay. I couldn't refuse. You know, I said, okay. So I opened the door for NBC. Okay. And uh, that's the footage that you see on YouTube of, of our exorcism. Yes. The footage that, it, that was, it was actually lost was a 20-minute a segment that they ran on a program that they had at the time called First Tuesday, which oh. was a arrival of 60 Minutes. So they ran a 20-minute segment of us on that, but it didn't play in the Chicagoland area because there were some kind of FCC rules right? Uh, in those years where you can only spend so much time. Well, they had played video, I don't know, 50 times. It was playing Morning Moon and Night in the News. People kept requesting it more and more and more and more. And I actually believe that... Uh, it became a, a sign and, 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 and something that the movie entertainment industry realized that was possible, that people were very interested in the paranormal. Okay. And, you know, because it was sometime after that that all of a sudden, out comes The Exorcist, out comes Amityville.
0: Right, yeah. And, that was uh, right after. That was in the early 70s. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and... Uh, you know, neither of those two stories are true, but mm-hmm. the public had an appetite for that 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 type of thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, and that's when, you know, all of a sudden you have horrific images and things like that. Uh, I didn't have those images, fortunately, in my youth when we had the building, because, uh, you know, if you read my book, you'll read that I, I messed with these spirits quite mm-hmm. a bit. But I did so because, you know, it's like I tell paranormal investigators to beware because you have a false bravado. It's easy to approach something and to deal with something that you can't see.
0: Yeah, because and you have nothing, no point of reference as to.
1: Yeah, you might not be so brave if you saw what you're really dealing exactly. with. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I I get some criticism at times because I, I can all I can do is warn people and be uh, you know tell them to beware because you don't want to invite these things into your life and you know when they tell me that they go into haunted houses and they mm-hmm. they they're protect they're protected okay because they do this protection ritual whatever it is right I tell them that's baloney. You know, it's baloney, because I can, I'm a very devout uh, person when it comes to Jesus Christ and God. I can ask for all the protection in the world, but if I walk into a tiger's cage and pull his tail,
2: it's the end God's of that. just
1: going to look down at me like I'm some kind of... Yeah, he's going to say, I guess I built that guy in a flawed way. Uh, you know, he's not going to protect you if you're out looking for trouble.
0: Let me ask you something, Ed. And that's <clears> what <it, throat> there was a part that I saw that you had a conversation with your next door neighbor and you kind of got a little bit of insight as to who had lived there before. How far, how long had you been living in the house when you had that conversation with him?
1: It was pretty soon after actually. Okay. And, uh, you know, I didn't put a lot of the conversation in the book because it was pretty frightening. It was something I withheld from my wife. I I didn't tell her everything that he told me, Mm -hmm. uh, because she was already frightened, sensing something. She was already frightened. I was not going to add to her fears. Uh, I imagine. But it was soon after. I, I mean, we hit it off right away. He was a, just a wonderful old guy. And uh, <laughs> he had his bottle of Southern Comfort hidden in a wood pile next I to his purse in, in his basement. And we'd go down there and we'd, we'd, be, we'd be doing shots at 10 in the morning, 9 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and. and <laughs> he was like and uh, I I enjoyed I, I enjoyed knowing him but uh he he basically gave me a very dark past on the family and on the house uh,
0: did, did at that so point that, uh, did you he, he, did you suspect the the connection or was it later that you're thinking okay knowing what I know about who lived here and because Part of what he described was that there was more than maybe one member of that family who suffered from mental illness. That you started realizing that the quality of, of what was you experiencing—you know—you
1: never get it. Nobody I know has ever been introduced to their ghost. <laughs> you know, so you, and and spirits lie.
0: Oh yes, they do.
1: Lie, uh, you know. It's like these people that play with Ouija boards.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: they they play with the Ouija board, and if they're lucky enough. I mean, hundreds of thousands of Ouija boards are sold every year as toys. Yes. Not all of them can work, okay? But if you go through, uh, if you're able to make that, crack that barrier, and you're going to ask for your Uncle George, and you're going to ask, is my Uncle George there? And the board's going to answer yes, okay? Then you're going to ask them some questions, and everything's going to be positive. The reason is, is because whoever's on the other side, is the strongest spirit in that at that time in that place? Sure. So, I mean, I use the analogy that if I were uh, in a prison and I stood on the wall of a prison, threw a, a cell phone out in the yard, and said, "Whoever gets it can use it." The biggest, baddest guy in the yard is going to get absolutely.
0: To use it. And that's I mean, a very good example of how to think about that.
1: And they're never going to say anything negative. They're never no. going to say anything like "I'm going to kill you," "I'm going to haunt you." I'm going to. It's always <laughs> going to be not. positive because what they want to do, they want to addict you. you
0: know, yes, they do.
1: Which most people fall for. You know, the Ouija board becomes. I know a number of people where the Ouija board is an addiction. Yes. Uh, yes.
0: There's nothing as enticing as the power of divination. The spirit will
1: do that. Well, the family that lived there, I mean, one of the things that I found early on was that I found a well-worn Ouija board. Oh, and at the time it was meaningless to me, I... so I broke it up and threw it away. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't until retrospect years later that I realized the significance of finding a well-worn Ouija board. Wow. And i it always made me wonder, did the family that lived there Conjure something up things into the house uh, I
0: more than likely yeah. So,
1: but you can't you know you can't tell because you can't see them and you you know they never introduce themselves i mean the, the one apparition that my wife and I saw clearly did fit the description of the mother of uh who had you know was one of the ones that built the house of the, the the wife.
0: Let me ask she because they the were they were the original owners or occupants of that house, right? They built that house.
1: Yeah, yeah, we okay. were the first ones ever to live in there. That were not uh, a blood relative.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And when they okay, so here you go. You you finally get some type of help. Um, he brings in. You know the the psychic tells you, okay, we're gonna get a little bit of extra help, and introduces you into the world of exorcism. And then what happened after that, Ed? When, and then of course you like you said, NBC well, decides to they're gonna televise this. What was the effect afterwards? Because I've heard some people that it sometimes makes things worse.
1: I. I... I don't know what made it worse. If it was me, or it's much like when we had the house blessed. Okay. It definitely antagonized whatever was there. Really. Our house blessing did not go well. I mean, uh, uh, the priest and he, he, you know, basically didn't finish the blessing, ran for the hills. Uh, Whoa. I, 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 they did antagonize them, but there was a lot of. Uh, negative feelings between the psychic and the uh, exorcist really because they they have different philosophies One wants to go into a trance and allow his mind to be used mm-hmm. and sometimes his body to be used by spirit right an exorcist wouldn't hear of doing anything like that
0: uh, yeah i could see what william
1: darrell davis knew was that he was called in as an exorcist but he had nobody to exercise and oh, he was going to sit next true. to this medium who was going to, he was going to allow things to take over his mind, which, you know, is unacceptable to an exorcist. okay. So right. they, they, they had this uh, natural friction.
0: I can imagine.
1: that, that I, I i knew that they weren't getting along well. I didn't know why. I didn't know what, you know, I didn't know the purpose of an exorcist. I didn't actually know what a medium does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Today I know exactly why they didn't get along.
0: Uh, right, but back then you opposite. were like, I mean,
1: exactly polar opposites. Uh, so you know, you'll never hear of an exorcist and a you know, psychic working together. That's no maybe in the movies or something, but but not in real life.
0: No, I can imagine, and because but it, they failed. I was going to say that that probably didn't help any that they weren't on the same page.
1: No, they, they failed. And uh, you could you could tell, I mean, if you look at the YouTube video, it's short. It's only about six or seven minutes. But the ex- actual ritual took three and a half hours. And when you see the very end of the YouTube video and you look at their faces, you can tell that uh, they're not happy. They, they, they weren't successful. And... Uh, William Darrell Davis kind of uh, moved away and didn't contact us that much, but Joseph DeLuise stayed with us. Okay. And contacted us almost daily. And, you know, he was obsessed with me changing my behavior because uh, I I was addressing these spirits and swearing at them and uh, doing things I shouldn't do. Mm Mm-hmm. But he was, yeah. You know, he was also him, and I became friends. I did a radio program with him, and uh, you know, we kept in touch, r- distantly in touch, uh, till he died in two thousand eight.
0: And it sounds almost Ed. The truth is that even though, you know, the immediate thought that everybody would think that maybe it was that family that were the original owners might have been producing the phenomena, there sounds like because somebody looked like was heavily engaging in spirit communication, there could have been a whole host of beings there. And I'm going to say beings because, like you said, whoever it was, whether they knew what they were doing or because they attempted it so many times, maybe opened up some type of doorway. And like you said, unusually what steps through is very dark and negative. So for all we know, they were maybe if they were there in spirit, or maybe being held hostage by whatever this entity was, which was what that psychic first felt um, when he came to visit and said, you know, we need extra help. Uh, I mean, it sounds like there was, in other words, more than just one layer of paranormal events or, or supernatural agency that was working there and producing all this phenomena.
1: I... I, I'm not sure, and I've had uh, communications and advice from all over the world. Uh, one medium contacted me, and she felt uh, that it was the original landowners, okay, that owned all the land around there. Oh, really? That that was now that made now that made some sense to me only because right down the street was a house that almost looked identical to ours. Okay. Uh, the the type of architecture our house was 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 common in Chicago. Okay. And uh, a woman contacted me from Miami, and she said she lived on the same block, about six houses down, and she said they had high activity in their house. Really. And they, and they had to So okay. when this medium call, contacted me and said she thought the landowner, it it, it kind of made sense to me. But then again, you know what what else also made sense to me is that. When you have houses that are 100 years old, and you go back to the 1900s and, mm-hmm. and 1910, or whatever wakes and funerals in the front room. Parlors.
0: Yeah, people people were born and people died in their houses.
1: Yeah, and you know it's like I tell people, well, give me show me a place that isn't haunted that's 100 and some years old. Yes, in, in some of these major cities, uh, everywhere. The thing you don't want to do actually is uh, a lot of times people will write me and they'll say, how do I get involved in the paranormal? And my answer is always the same. I -hmm. tell them do not open. Because once you become aware of those things, you see things, hear things, and you're aware of things that you were never aware of before.
0: Yes, that is true.
1: And, you know, it's, it's not fun. And, uh, you know, at, at my age now, with my experience, I'm a big fraidy cat. You know, I won't go anywhere that's knowingly haunted. I, I, I the, the odds of me trying to use a ghost box are zero. <laughs> I don't want to talk to spirits. I don't want to see spirits.
0: And you don't want them to talk to you.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, because, uh, and, and you run into spirits. I mean, we've had spirits pass through our house. Mm-hmm. I, call, I call them travelers. Yes. And, and uh, we've had travelers. And I just don't address them. I I don't uh, interfere with whatever activity they do do. And uh, I don't want any part of the paranormal, actually.
0: Well, you know what? You make a very good and Not everybody realizes that ghosts or spirits, however you want to use the term, are not bound to certain places. Everybody thinks that you have to go to a haunted location. And you do have spirits that are not bound to a location and which what you call your travelers and uh it, it's a
1: it's it's a it, it's a question that uh i always have and i sometimes i i uh upset the investigators uh a couple times i've done radio programs where investigators were on there i think the investigators are all like uh playing games and doing the wrong thing. They're immature. Uh, if you can get an EVP or all investigators follow the same criteria of mm-hmm. asking questions, you'd be able to get some statistics as far as what is on the other side. Right. Is it cold? Do they have time? Is it light? Is it dark? Spirit bound to the location? You know, why can a spirit become uh, audible or a shadow or an apparition? You, you can ask, you know, people who get active EVPs. Right. Is, that are meaningful. And, you know, quite frankly, it's been 45 years, and, and no one knows any more about the paranormal than I did 45 years ago.
2: No, I mean, when I hear some people more talk, popular. I, know, I know everything
1: it. they learned. Everything they learned from the paranormal came off the program Supernatural. You know, <laughs> that, that's their education. Oh like my! <clears throat> they talk about portals and, and things like that. Right. And uh, I was on a radio program with a woman who said she had a portal in her bathroom, and every all kinds of stuff was coming through there. Okay. And, and uh, so I told her, I said, do you, "Do you know where the portal is?" She said, "Yes." And I said, do "You know exactly where it is." She said, "Yes." And I said, "Do me a favor." She said, "What?" In there. Well, everybody started laughing. It was a round table, and everybody was laughing. I wasn't being funny, because I'd want to see what's on the other side. We don't know, and, and no one can tell us. And all we know is what uh, what's been written by by Stephen King or Wes Craven or whatever. Uh, which is just all a bunch of fantasy. Uh, well, you know, it makes you think, though, Ed, that, that whatever's on entire. that other
0: side of wherever it is, it's not a good place to be. You, you understand? Because otherwise, they wouldn't try to either cross over or interact with the living. It's almost like, without knowing the precisely what it is or where, I'm not even going to say where because that's we're talking spatially there. You know, It's like, whatever it is, it can't be a good place because... Nobody wants to stay there. Everybody wants out, or at least they sounds. That's what it sounds like. And when you have, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I can't answer. I'm I'm not an expert. I know what I've experienced. You know, and I know that uh, the argument that these things aren't weren't people that they were, they were people. They're spirits that were definitely people. Okay. Spirits that are not, that were not people. I don't know what the source of that is, whether that's voodoo or hoodoo or uh, negative energy. But I, you know, I do know a little about ghosts and I do know it's much like I get people that'll write me mm-hmm. ghosts that opens, it opens my closet door. I go to sleep at night, I close the closet door, and my my clothes are ruffled. Well, the first thing I ask them is, are you afraid? Does it scare you? If they say no, which most times they do, they'll say, no, it doesn't scare me. It's just a curious thing. I tell them, don't mess with it. Don't try to lock that door. Don't try to put a clip on it. Do. It's going to cause that spirit to do something different. It's it's going to you know it it has to do another action, and that was the mistake I made when I owned this haunted house. Is you know the lights flickered, so I put in a new light fixture. That just caused it to pull the plug out of my bathtub, and I had to put in a new plug.
2: Right. That
1: caused the mixer to come off the wall. It's going to always have an action that it does. And all you're going to do by trying to eliminate it is to to alter whatever the action is.
0: Let me ask you, Ed, because it sounds like what you and and your family endured were. Did you, and I'm going to use a now term, and maybe did you and your family after you moved out of there, did you have what, what we would call like PTSD in the sense of, I'm not talking clinically, but where once you had left, you were afraid that, you know, you were gonna—that this was gonna happen again.
1: I wasn't. My my wife was. She was she she was worried about them following us. And uh, I I wasn't. I was uh, free as a bird. It was like, you know, I put it in the rearview mirror. It, it was over. See ya. And uh, yeah, I The only thing I did do in those years was I. I Because of Joe DeLuise, the psychic, I started to rub elbows and to to meet other people who were gifted. So I made a friend of a telekinetic who actually wound up working for the government. I I met other psychics and I I wanted to understand the powers of the human mind. Okay. Uh, And, you know, I do admit and I I realize there's a a lot of gifted people out there and not like on Facebook, you know, where everybody's a reader and all this. No, I know. That's is... all baloney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all a bunch of baloney. No, a a think... true gifted person is going to, they're, they're going to hide. They're, they're not going to be out there in plain view.
0: Yeah, it could be, because, because you get overwhelmed. Sometimes
1: their gift is painful. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I, have, uh, I have one that, that messages me. For whatever reason, I have a link with her Mm -hmm. and she'll send me things, amazing things. She'll, she'll seem like she knows what's going on in my life. But if I say her name, no one's ever heard her name and no, she doesn't post on Facebook. She does not give readings. You know, she's a very private person, but for some reason we established a link. Just honor it and, and go with it, you know?
0: Well, you know what, Ed, the truth is that people that whether they're a psychic, a medium or uh, both psychic mediums, it's 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 draining. It's a draining experience when you do that work, you know, contrary to what people think, it's it, you know, it taxes your mind, your body and your spirit. That's why you're absolutely correct when you say that, you know, the real, the true, the authentic, genuine ones usually keep a very low profile because at some point in time they understand how it impacts you at the very least on a physical level if you are going to have all these people that want uh whether it's tell my fortune uh talk to my dead whoever uh whatever uh, find my lost dog they know what's absolutely the downside of something like that so you're absolutely right when you say that they keep a very low profile for good reason
1: yeah, I I uh, I I respect the gifted people and uh, I understand that, you know. I got to know Joe DeLuise very well and I understand the pain. Okay, if you have a clear vision and you know that there's this building or this bridge is going to collapse, mm-hmm. but you don't get you don't get the message as to where or when. Exactly. Disburdened. Yes, it is. You know, the, you know this. there's going to be this horrible happening, and you can't do a damn thing about it. The pain that they live with many times. So I understand that, and I, I respect them for that, and I, I wouldn't want to be gifted myself.
0: All right, yeah, what they call the Cassandra uh, effect. Yeah, I, that sometimes what you're privy like to cursed. is horrible uh, occurrences. And... And then, you know, and of course, that opens up a whole different discussion about predestination and things that are going to happen no matter what. And you're just like given like an opportunity to look at it. But like you said, as a human being, if, you know, unless you're a psychopath and you have a conscience, you would wish that you could do something about it to stop it or warn them. But it's like, no. So, yeah, you're absolutely right that something like that, it's like a gift you absolutely don't want. Because it's not a gift, I guess. So um
1: yeah go ahead I'm sorry. I, I sometimes go on a, on a radio channel in the uk and uh they call me the non-paranormal paranormal guy <laughs> because I, I don't promote i don't promote the paranormal my book true haunting actually was uh sent to, to i sent it to the printer with my daughter's name on it
2: oh so it should have been
1: true haunting true haunting by katherine higdon and to, as told to Catherine Higdon from Edwin Becker, uh, my daughter changed it back. Oh, <laughs> you know, and and then it became an, an instant hit. I mean, it was uh, number one in new releases, and it shot to the top of Amazon.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And next thing I know, Paranormal Witness came after me, and again I said, "No, I don't want any part of it." Uh, Paranormal Witness. Uh, and I, I made it very difficult for them to deal with me because they they were filming in Boston, and I said, "No, I'm not going to Boston." Uh, and I I had to, I, I fixed it so I, I wasn't going to do this program. But my granddaughters are all see I don't have cable TV. <laughs> okay. My granddaughters were all sci-fi people, uh-huh. sci-fi channels, so they knew about it. And uh, they threatened to disown me. <laughs> You're outnumbered, <laughs> if I didn't do the program. so yeah, I did paranormal witness, and uh, we did that. And I've had some unusual things happen. I mean, when you write a book and it's a true story, right? A lot of times, an author fears that someone's going to stand up and say that didn't happen. Okay, I had the exact exact opposite. I can imagine. Uh, I wound up finally connecting with one of my tenants. Okay, he told me it was so horrific, I had to put it in the second book, True Haunting Two. Okay. i it was just a revelation to me everything that he that happened to him. Wow. Uh, so you know, you can't. I I couldn't get a better endorsement than that. You know.
0: No, what I'm saying is, when you and your wife were at the point that you guys were going to leave, that you said, "I'm we're leaving." we're we're out of here whatever like you said prior to that maybe when you were talking about it or discussing it did things ramp up did things get worse there
1: no uh, a couple things happened during that period that were, that were different okay uh because they they always seem to come up with something different and uh, that's part of what creates if you live in that type of environment it creates anxiety and and tension and uh, yeah you know, loss of sleep. We were only able to live there actually less than two years. When I've read, I've read other authors' books where they say they've lived, they lived in a haunted house for 10 years. Yeah, uh, It's impossible. You know, if it's truly haunted, you can't endure that for 10 years. You'd go crazy. You know, I, I would have lost my mind. Because uh, you don't sleep well. You're sleep deprived. You're always looking over your shoulder. You're, you're blaming each other for everything. I mean, if my wallet was out of place, I'd right away, you know, blame my wife, and my wife would say no, and we'd start arguing, and that's what these spirits love to do, is to create emotional energy that they can feed off of.
0: Yes, they do.
1: Uh, so, you know, I, I was very lucky in that I, I, I was kind of a purist when I wrote the book, because I, I wasn't writing about, I wasn't affected by anything in the media. I, I wrote exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, and a lot of times there have been people that said, well, it's not scary enough and they're, they're right. You know, I, I, it lacks the boo, the boo factor. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is that if a ghost was to come out and scare you, if you could buy yourself a house, you walk in and all of a sudden this apparition appears And it looks like the devil is threatening and screaming at you. You'd run the hell out of there. Of course. All right. There'd be nobody who would ever live in a haunted house like that. And that's not what ghosts do. They they work on your energy and they gradually weave their way into your life. Yes, they do. And they drain the hell out of you. Yes, they do. That's exactly how they work. You know, if people read my book and they get that out of it, uh, I'm happy, you know.
0: And I think and that's where the, a lot I of people agree, nowadays, but, they make that mistake, like I said, thinking that when you find yourself in that type of situation, whether by mistake or by choice, that it's like two days after moving in, your everything goes sideways for you. And I found in true experiences that it's quite the contrary. It's very insidious. And I'm going to use that word and I know it's a title of a movie, but it is, It it starts out with things that, either you chalk off to your imagination or like you said to the other person or persons in the house, uh, when you said, said, hey, I changed out the flickering light bulb because all I'm thinking is I've got a faulty light bulb or electrical. You go through all these things and it's like slowly it starts pervading your reality, but it's it makes you start questioning your eyes, your ears, and then that takes days and weeks and months before you're like get to the point like what you said where you realize, okay, how how can I dismiss this? How can I, you know, I've gone through all the rational explanations to account well, took for this. It took to despair. Yes, exactly.
1: I mean, at one point, my wife left and went home to her mother, <laughs> and uh, she couldn't it's, take it anymore. Yeah, and uh, I was in. I just felt like I was just, uh, you know, down as low as you can be, as much of a failure as you can feel like.
0: Let me ask you, how was it? I know else. she she was alone at home during the daytime, right? Was she at home and you were at work and she stayed home, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: And I know that that for her must have been nerve wracking,
1: because yeah, well, that that's that's a primary uh, topic in the, in my second book. Because a lot of a lot of readers out to me that I never gave them a true perspective of what my wife had gone through and and they were a hundred percent correct I didn't come home from work and say how was your day I already knew how her day was and I didn't want to hear it because oh. as a young man who you know felt like he'd control the world exactly. I knew I couldn't control whatever the hell was in that house I didn't want to add to to my wife's problems ignored it. it it sort of went unspoken so in my second book you know here I am 43 years later doing a detailed interview with my wife as far as what her day was like wow. Dad, you know I, I never knew that she taught our nephews how to read and write forgot the part where I got so angry I smashed one of my guitars. She had all these memories and things, happenings that were uh, incredible. Plus, my first floor tenant, dog that ran away, uh, just like ours did. Uh,
0: incredible.
1: He had they had they had sounds and touching and all kinds of things. It, it sounded like the first floor was more active than our second floor. So. That's what the second book is. It's everything I left out of the first book.
0: Right. Like almost like the other you know, perspective. Plus my You mentioned that yeah. your and wife, everything. she left like for a month. She like, hey, how did you, which at that point, did that leave you alone in the house when she was gone for that month? Yeah. And
1: Yeah, it was just me, me and the dog.
0: That's it. And how, what happened in that month, considering that now you couldn't, say well it was my 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 wife that did that or that you, i don't know maybe you had to come home to be by yourself in that house yeah that well
1: bad. it's it's something that i tell investigators because they uh they dress in black and they get night vision glasses and all that crap uh the reality is ghosts don't have time and if it's a human spirit mm-hmm. it's going to do activities that it did in its life
0: yes it does
1: now, typically, in its life, it's going to be sleeping at, at certain hours. Exactly. And that's pretty much when I, when I look back is what it was. Our, all of our activity was between uh, six and seven in the morning mm-hmm. and ten o'clock at night.
0: Right. Right. Like that cycle.
1: So you know, we you know now it was rare for us to have any activity after ten o'clock, mm-hmm. and we never had any in the middle of the night. You know, Just, so all the activity and everything happened in the daytime. Well, when my wife left, I'm gone in the daytime, and I was working okay. two jobs. So I didn't get home till 10 o'clock at night. Okay. I would walk the dog and have myself a sandwich or something and hit the sack, and I'd be up again at five 5.30 in the morning. Uh, I, did, I really didn't have much trouble. I had uh uh did to me that, that sort of frightened me. Uh, was it turned down a gas burner.
0: <laughs> what what happened?
1: And it, it uh, I came home in the evening and I was going to make myself, I don't know, chef wire ravioli or something. And I poured it in the pot and my dog started uh, going to the door and whining so I knew I had to take her out. So before I could prepare anything, I, I took the dog and we went out and uh she did her business we came back in the house and the food that i had in my pot was all burnt and the, the uh the gas was on which i i didn't turn it on of course hmm. it was just a it was an occurrence that, of course sort of scared me because it had never truly played with the utilities before yeah other than electrical static or you know blinking the lights on and off yes uh So, yeah, it did make me a little bit of what it could do, what it was capable of.
0: Yeah, that, that, and I can imagine, well, in a way it sounds lucky because it sounds like, like what you were saying, that they were following the pattern of a normal uh, uh, household, you know, morning, early morning, and later in the evening, which is exactly, you know, when most households see the most activity. And that makes sense as far as, because I've heard of that before. And people like, and you you were absolutely right. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Ed, as far as that everybody thinks that all these um, frightening things only happen like at at night, at midnight, at 3 a.m., whatever the case might be. And sometimes it's far from that. It's usually early morning, depending on where you're at, maybe dusk when the sun's coming down because in some cases depending on where you were this was like the end of the day for you or later at night maybe when people were sitting down to dinner etc whatever whatever time period we're talking about Uh,
1: yeah I, I mean the only advantage to the investigators going out at night is that it's peaceful and quiet no sure so that they can be more aware of anything around them if something does happen And they can also sneak into some of these buildings they're not allowed in. (laughs) So, you know, I hear about them sneaking into old closed buildings, institutions and things, Yeah. which they couldn't do in the daytime, of course. Of course not. So, you know, that's some of their advantages. But as far as overall activity, you know, it had to be in the daytime to to be, uh, I would think that if they visited some of these haunted hospitals and things, it, it would all be daytime activity. very little at night
0: um ed let me ask you something and looking back now because like you said your knowledge your perspective has changed from when you were there as a young man to now like you said based on your experiences people you've known psychics looking back now did you ever have any type of experience prior to living there that would fall into that category you just failed to recognize it for what it was
1: No, no, I had no experience whatsoever. And in fact, uh, I had a second thing happen to me that I I just wound up being interviewed by a guy who's writing a book, but I, I died when I was 19, I got electrocuted What? and, uh, so I had an NDE when I was 19 a near death experience and it was wonderful. I mean, it, it was painful to come back.
0: Yes. That's what I've heard,
1: but I didn't think because that was not a subject in 1965.
0: No, you were just lucky that uh, you at, like I- I'm alive. <laughs> Thanks, I think.
1: Well, honestly, I, at that point, I've I've died a couple times in my life. I, I've I've got a real weak heart. Um, but it, at 19, when I was a strong young man, the death was euphoric. Okay. And uh, you're you're going. I felt I was going to a wonderful place. And all my pain was gone. All my concerns were gone. So how they even revived me.
0: Yeah, back then. It was some
1: guy. I woke woke up to him sitting on my chest pumping in. I guess he was lifeguard trained because they had no such thing as ERTs, EMTs or anything like that. Right, no, no, the
0: the CPR stuff and that. Or defibrillators.
1: So all I knew is I, I was in this wonderful place. And all of a sudden, boom, I was back. And I was in pain, severe pain. And uh, that turned out to be an experience, but it wasn't one, you know, I, I didn't consider it paranormal. I, I didn't consider it anything other than, you know, hey, I'm, I'm back. I'm lucky to be here. The only effect it had on me actually was that from that point on in my life, I was never afraid of death.
0: But you kept I'm not that to yourself. Of death
1: today. I'm sorry.
0: You kept that to yourself as far as that reflection, that that interior knowledge, that was okay. I'm not going to go around talking to people and saying, "Well, I'm not I'm not afraid to die anymore because like you said back then when you started talking about things like that, people would look at you like, going, "What's wrong with you?"
1: Yeah, no, I mean my behavior changed a little bit because Really? Uh, I just wasn't afraid anymore of anything. Because dying dying is not a problem, okay? Breaking your leg is a problem because that hurts like hell. Yeah, you know. You're so, right. <laughs> but if, if at least I I know, and I've talked to a lot of people who've had the experience, uh, NDEs, and I've only met one lady who had a terrible experience. Okay. Everybody else had experience that closely resembled what I what I felt.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that that's 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 I mean I've read the books, uh, you know about you know NDEs and. You know, I, I like you said, you do have some outliers where people have these very bad, dark experiences, but overall, everybody, is it's a positive experience. Exactly like what you said, I don't want to go back. You know, and then when they wake up back in their bodies, when they feel the pain, et cetera. And, but you said you, you've died well, more than once?
1: Yeah, later in my life, I had a, uh, what they call a severe uh, cardiac infarction. And, uh, my heart stopped and, uh, but the difference became my mindset because, uh, I knew it was coming. I was in an emergency room where they had no cardiologist and a guy was hardly trained. Okay. Uh, they had no equipment. Uh, and basically they told me when I got, when I got there, but he took, they took the readings and the nurses and that, they basically said, you're going to die. Wow. And. Yeah, and they, they said there was a, a drug called TPA that I could try, which I did do, and it wound up actually eventually saving my life. But they said I was going to die, and I, you know, my, my wife there, my, one of my daughters, my brother made it there, uh, and I had to say goodbye to all these people.
0: That's a difficult and thing.
1: I found that to be sad. I, I wasn't, you know, even though I knew that I was in for a pleasurable experience, I wasn't afraid of dying. I just didn't want to leave life because uh, I'm enjoying myself. hmm. You know, it's it's much like today. I, I I enjoy every day. It's a God-given day, and uh, I'm, I'm going to make the best of it every single day.
0: And I understand perfectly dying, what you were saying. It was the people that you didn't want to leave behind. It wasn't the actual life part. I mean... Yeah.
1: yeah. Exactly. I, I you know and I, I think the older I get the more I feel that way because you know now I got four granddaughters and they're all very they're getting older and very interesting. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Oh you know, they are they're, they're interesting. They're uh it, it, the generation gap is incredible and uh you know what they believe from the media and and what is true is like unbelievable because They believe all this stuff that they get on social media.
0: Oh, they get bombarded, that's the thing. You know,
1: and, uh, yeah, so I I sit there with them and I interrogate them and and we all have a bunch of laughs because they look at me like a dinosaur, you know? (laughs) At my my last house, we lived on a a golf course. Okay. And uh, the golf carts would come by our house and uh, I was sitting out there with my granddaughters and I said, yeah, in my day they didn't have golf carts they all looked at me like I was nuts. And they said, do you have to carry your clubs? And I said, no. They had boys that were called caddies. Uh huh. And you'd pay them a few dollars and they'd carry the clubs for you. And and (laughs) my one granddaughter says, ah, that's a bunch of bug. And then she called for my wife, said, is this true? Uh, Isn't it incredible that
2: that, that, that the,
1: the differences in our age, I mean, I've got a book out there called A Trip Back in Time. Okay. It's not my bestseller. It's a kind book. (laughs) But it's about a father, it's about a a grandfather who can take his kids back to the time when he was 10 years old. Wow. So he takes his children back to when, to 1956, actually.
0: That's a very interesting premise, Ed.
1: And uh, I tried to, I power-packed the book with a lot of uh, pop culture Okay. You know, things that uh, were there in those years that aren't here anymore. So, I, the I, book I, I mean, have fun writing.
0: Well, you know what it is also? It's like you made a good point. Between the 1950s and, what, the next 50 or 60 years, technology has advanced so rapidly that I'm sure even though you say you don't have cable, you know, if, now everybody has a phone. Whereas before, you were lucky if you had one phone in the house, all right, and that was it. No answering machines, nothing of the kind. It was like, that was it. And yeah, it went,
1: and they were ungodly expensive. You couldn't own a phone. In 1970, you could not own a phone. You had to lease it from the phone company. And uh,
0: Yeah, they leased, you leased them. You, you
1: know, it would cost like about $85 to put a jack in the house. I remember that. So that, you know, to get your phone moved was like a, a big thing. It was going to be real expensive. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, there were no iPhones. And uh, I did no have thing. a fellow that wrote me once. It was funny. A young, I knew he had to be a youth because it, it, he read the book and he said, where I saw, where I talked about the apparition, he said, why didn't you snap a picture with your iPhone? He's like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there weren't any iPhones. There weren't any VCRs. Uh, we're lucky, I'm lucky to have that YouTube video, actually, mm-hmm. that, that some guy made that. He jerry-rigged it from a uh, uh, surveillance camera onto yep. a TV, so it, it, it was, it was, you know, MacGyvered in there. He I don't know what the hell he did, but he was able to get the videos. It's not very good, but it is a, at I've least a record.
0: Him. Hello? Hello? You know what? I don't want to think, because I had trouble calling it with my computer. I know people are going to say I'm weird, but I don't want to think that it's another situation of paranormal sabotage. I'm telling you. Just, mm, this just doesn't, uh, uh-uh. I'm am t- telling you There's something here. Let me see if I can get a hold of him. But Oh, let's see. Let's see if I'm I have a feeling somebody's calling them. The number is... I'm, I'm not kidding you guys. Right now I'm getting a message on my Google Hangouts. It says, Call failed to connect or disconnected because the number was unreachable. Oh, wow. Okay, that is something else. I'm telling you. That is really weird. Here we go again. Cross your fingers, guys. Here we go.
1: I guess we got disconnected.
0: Yes, yes. It was like, I know you couldn't hear me. I could hear you, but you couldn't, I I could tell. It's like something happened and don't worry. It's like, okay, we're talking about technology. Yeah, it's, it's it's anything but perfect.
1: (laughs) We're sure dependent on it today though.
0: Oh, we are at its mercy. We are at its mercy. Okay. (laughs) Believe me, I, like I said, I was here when Hurricane Irma came through Florida and I spent a week without electricity. And (laughs) talk about bringing that, making that very evident besides, you know, having to sleep without, you know, like, which is what I was, when you were talking that thing about technology, I was born and raised here in Miami. And, um, I remember when I was growing up, when I was a kid, you didn't have central AC. You know, we would have room <coughs> units, and you turned them on at night, and I was fine. You had fans on, and you were fine now, and myself included. If I have to be around without an, an AC, especially in the summer, it's like, oh, my God, it's I can't take this. And when Back then, it wasn't a problem. It's just the way things were.
1: The so. only thing that bugs me about today is everyone's social uh, media addiction. And I mean, I can't tell you how many car accidents I've almost got in because people were yes. texting on their phones. Yes. And uh, when my grandkids come over and we have a get together, I force them. You know, they cannot bring their phones to the dinner table.
0: Yes, I agree with and, you. And I have,
1: I have a hammer. It's, it's actually like, a, it, it's an old cobbler's hammer. It looks like the one Geppetto would use in Pinocchio, but I call it the eye hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell them and they know that I'll do it anybody who brings their phone to the table
0: nobody's gonna call your bluff <laughs> is that what you're saying
1: yeah they're not gonna call my bluff they know better because uh, I, I would demo it uh, but I can't stand it I I, uh, I don't know how kids function I don't know how what what's how that's gonna affect future generations um,
0: well and you know what I and I think the only people that I appreciate it are people like us that were around before they had answering machines and everything that came afterwards is like, I think that's, it stresses you out because the thing is that nowadays you're expected to be available 24 seven. Hey, if the phone rings, why didn't you answer it? Hey, I sent you an email or I left your voicemail. And back then it was like, if somebody called you on the phone and nobody answered, well, either you called later or they sent you a letter or whatever, but it wasn't that instant gratification where, Hey, Why can't I talk to you in five seconds? And I think that stresses people out when you have to be available uh, for whoever's trying to get a hold of you, or in this case voluntarily because you're always on all these different uh, social media outlets.
1: Well, it's one of the things that I feel uh, sorry for the younger generation because at least in my day, if I finish my work day, When I walked out the door, I walked out the door.
0: That was it. That was the end of that. Yes, you're absolutely right.
1: And uh, I had peace and quiet. And yes, they could call me at home, uh, but they couldn't call me in the car, and I didn't have to answer text messages. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, much of what I see as far as texting, it don't make any damn sense. You know, I mean, people are texting. I'm at the grocery store right now. Who gives a crap? (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're <laughs> you know, right. we're we're sitting down to dinner. <laughs> Who gives a crap? Just look at That's this really, fresh fruit you know, they have in
0: the supermarket.
1: Yeah, I, right. I mean, they they the text stuff that, uh, you know, you, you don't really care, and, and yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, but I can you...
1: see why why people are having difficulty, you know, being social and communicating on a, on a yeah. personal level. Because, you know, the other thing is that it's going to demolish people's education as far as spelling.
0: Oh, let's not go there. Oh, my it's God. Nothing it's atrocious. Now. I mean,
1: for a people, you know, for someone to write a letter and use a U instead of Y-O-U. Yeah. Or an R instead of A-R-E. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what that's going to do to the English language over time. No. Uh, or an emoji. Be-
0: you know, put a smiley face to say you're happy or whatever. It's like-
1: yeah, uh, you know I'm I'm an old dog, I guess, but I don't like any of it. I, uh, it's even on Facebook. Uh, if someone messages me, I get quite a few. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll copy their message off to uh, Word word processor, then I'll write out my answer back in a letter form, <laughs> and yeah. then I'll send them the document. And if, then if they can't read the document, then I'll copy and paste it. I don't like you know a long strand like that. To me, it, it's uh, illegible. It's like yeah, there's exactly. no personality or emotion to it. Uh, but, I, I don't like writing that way.
0: Well, you know what the thing Ed is that you, the people that get engaged and um, everybody, but and, like you said, the younger generations are the ones that do it that are on there, like basically letting everybody know what they're doing, when they're doing it, where, how, whatever. And that's great until it flips on its side,
1: I lost you and again. then you
0: get Where,
1: if you can hear me, I don't know what's happening. You're cutting, okay. You cannot hear me. Okay,
0: all right. You know what? I'm going to send you an email if you can hear me. Okay, I'm
1: going to hang up so you can call me. Okay,
0: that's fine. That's fine. Thank you, Ed. Bye. Okay, I'm telling you guys, something is up. Something is up with this. Hold on, let me send him. A link to the okay, here we go. Off we go. I'm going to tell you something right now. I know. Without trying to read, because God knows, I know that computers and uh, all the stuff that we got attached to it, I know it can go sideways. I worked enough around it to know that that is an absolute possibility. However, however, okay, I know for a fact that sometimes, yeah, you could say, well, that's the case. But from the moment that you're trying to contact somebody, okay, and that's what happened with him, my computer just, it was working fine. I went, I was getting ready, and I come back, and my computer, like, di- I had to restart it. That's why I was late. I, I was i was fr- franti- frantically trying to, like, oh, what is going on here? Okay, and then, you know, I got him on the line, and everything is fine, and then I started having these problems where he can't hear me, and I couldn't hear him. And I'm telling you, yeah, we could write it off to computer glitches or whatever, bad internet connection, which by the way, where I'm at, it sounds, the quality of his voice, the way he was coming over was great. It was fantastic. So I don't think it was that. Makes me wonder that, you know, obviously he left that house um, many years ago and like he said he still has got travelers that come through it makes me wonder what some of them are just like doing their own version of a, of a little, little paranormal sabotage I, I, I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility because as you can tell now everything is working fine and food for thought food for thought anyway guys I hope I wish, I wish this could have been a longer uh, interview with Ed. His work is fascinating. And in the credits of the show, I want to put links to where you could purchase his books. I wasn't kidding. Despite what everybody says, there's nothing more terrifying than the truth when it comes to something like this. Okay? And speaking with him, or listening to him in other words, you could tell he's a very no-nonsense kind of person. Uh, um, if anything... I. Pr- bet that he probably understated some of the things that were in the book as in if he you know it probably could have been scarier which like i said it's almost like when people understand understate that is when you realize wow there there is something more to it's scary it's it's the possibility possibilities of things that can happen to you because now and this is the thing like he said that thing about that well-worn Uh, Ouija board wow but in other words I guess what the scariest point of this is this didn't happen to them because they were playing with a Ouija board because they were doing rituals they were just a young couple who moved into an old house thinking this is where I can put my family in I'll have a baby uh, and that's it that's where you're at you're just trying to live life and then this happens and I think at least to me, this is what's scary because you are living your life. You're not looking for it. Uh, You think of yourself as being normal and then this basically intrudes into your life and it starts eating away at your relationships because you could tell there was parts of there where maybe he wasn't believing his wife or he was blaming her for stuff. Here she's at home alone with a baby uh, and I'm sure that when he's talking about being anxious and looking over your shoulder, that's a horrible feeling, folks. That is a horrible feeling for one day. Can you imagine what it's like to live or like what he said, when you have no idea what it is that you're up against? And unfortunately, your imagination, even the person with the least imagination, it's it's that unknowable, Is it one thing? Is it several things? Is it a person? What is it? Okay. Uh, And that thing about how he acted in anger, I think that's typical, especially of men, because at that time, you want to fight, you want to confront whoever, whatever it is, and you end up talking to thin air, at least, and of course, he has the wisdom of many years, and, you know, that have gone by, and being out of that, because when you're in that emotional state, your reaction is different than when you're out of it and you're looking at it from what I call the observer point of view. And uh, he made a very good point. You know, for all these people that want to get into paranormal investigations and studies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let me tell you, it's, there are different qualities of hauntings or supernatural There's what you call your classic... your residual, which is nothing there. Then you get your regular dead person who might be confused as to, you know, what happened to them, or they want to stay in their home. It could be a whole host of issues, but there's no malevolence. Uh, And then there's other things that become much, much darker. Uh, And uh, just to give you a a quick segue, uh, I was recently trying to reach out to a very uh, famous exorcist. Uh, his name is uh, Archbishop uh, fail and he is very well known. Uh, he's an archbishop with the uh, old Catholic church and they've done, they have an order of exorcist. And I was reaching out to him because I was thinking I would love to interview him and, uh, you know, he's been doing it for so many years and just talk about his cases, talk about what, how, you know, these reality paranormal shows have, what they've done to the consciousness of people out there when it comes to the paranormal, supernatural ghosts, etc. You know, and he answered me back that uh one of the cases that he was involved with, which I don't know which one or how, he basically had a very severe, severe um health crisis uh that occurred that initiated when he was in the middle of an exorcism okay and his life was in jeopardy and he had to go on what he described was a very excessive regimen of medications to basically keep him alive and unfortunately the side effects of a lot of these drugs also there was a downside to them and even his hearing was affected it was a whole host of things and you know he said you know basically that it um it would have to be something where he could communicate better because his hearing had been affected very severely uh almost that he can't hear so we postponed that i'm i'm hoping that he's going to recontact me and and that we could set that up uh but my point is that Yes, there are paranormal or supernatural situations, which is not your typical person that's passed away, and you know it's a dead person, and yeah, you treat them with love. There's th- darker things out there, and I'm gonna bring this up. Cause I'm gonna bring it up because <laughs> you, you see a lot of psychics and a lot of mediums, okay, that they say, "Oh, I never have anything negative." contact me and I'm going to tell you something in my experience yes if you for example psychic meetings or somebody that you're contacting says I want to contact my dearly departed whoever and 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 most of them will make that distinction and say look I can't guarantee you that that person that you're wanting to speak to is the person that's going to come through okay and sometimes it works like But then these are the ones that say, no, no, no. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, as a matter of fact, it's your entities, it's your spirits that haven't crossed overs, which like he said, are the ones that are desperate to make communication. Okay. And you better believe that a good portion of these entities, whether it's because there were bad people when they were alive, maybe because they have been out of the presence of the divine for so long depending on how long they've been in there in this in-between place they can be really unpleasant really unpleasant those far outnumber okay a deceased person that's gone into the light that may want to communicate with them so when these psychics say i never i never have contacts with the negative side is like are you kidding me that's the good majority of the scarnets okay that's what's out there. Because let me tell you something: for a human soul, there is nothing worse than being out of the presence of the divine. In that in-between place, you're not human. You don't have a human body anymore. So this plane is not for you. So you're that in that in-between, what they call it, stuck place for whatever reason. What whatever it is, it could be a, a gazillion reasons for it. And when you ascend, and you go into the presence of the divine, which is, you know, when you that ego part of you kind of drops away that is a horrible place for a human soul to be in okay and those are the ones that when you have a psychic open up or try to make communications they are the ones that rush you they rush you okay and a lot of the things that they give off whether it's because they died violently they they died violently or tragic or they were violent individuals or whatever let me tell you something it's like okay if, if you're a psychic or a medium, and you say that the dark side it's like, okay, you must, you're insulated, because that's who's out there, the majority of them, that's who's out there, that's who's out there, the ones that are desperate, help me cross over, uh, help me, I'm desperate, I don't know what happened to me, nobody can talk to me, nobody can see me, or, or if you're a violent, angry person, you know, maybe you're just, hissed because you shouldn't have died or got killed all these emotions because remember we are the center of each you know our universe I'm the center of my universe and that's the human perspective and even when you're dead you're carrying on with whatever was going on in your world and if you're coming that in between place whether it's because you're seeking help or explanation or reassurance or and they they and you either You got that little light going on or you're actually going out there and you're trying to communicate that's who's coming in uh so yeah let me get off my soapbox now what i'm trying to say is that if if you truly are going to go into the paranormal field don't do it on a lark don't do it for a thrill because he's as absolutely right what you might get is not what you expect And when you're ready to say, I don't want to do this anymore. It could say, but I'm not through with you. And that's a story for another day. But anyway, guys, I hope you like this video. Please subscribe to my channel. Like, hit the like button. Okay, catch me on Twitter and on Facebook. I do a lot of live streaming there. I don't do more live streaming here on YouTube because sometimes in the places that I go to, The signal, the Wi-Fi or Internet signal is like non-existent. And basically it would be all you would get is a really bad quality video of lagging. I've already tried that a couple of times. Um, So guys, please check back. And again, uh, thank you so very, very much for viewing. Take care.